Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors, who make amazing acrylic and oil paint, watercolors, and painting mediums. Made in upstate New York, an employee-owned company, Golden sets the standard for art materials. You can find them in your local art store or online at goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is also sponsored by Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. Fulcrum has an incredible array of roasted coffee beans that you can order and have delivered to your door. They even have a subscription service of curated blends that you can order by visiting their website, fulcrumcoffee.com. Percent off their order by adding the code ALFREDSTUDIO at checkout. Check out Fulcrum for some amazing coffee at fulcrumcoffee.com. Why I Make Art, Contemporary Artist Stories About Life and Work, is the Sound and Vision Podcast book, and it's out now. It features writings on Diana Al-Hadi, Jules de Ballancourt, Dove Bradshaw, Greg Crudson, Heather Day, Inga Essenhai, Amir Falah, Louis Vertino, Dominique Fung, Carl Funk, Vanessa German, Allison Janae Hamilton, Loey Hollowell, Khalil Robert Irving, Chris Martin, Tony Matelli, Carl Ostendarp, Aaron Riley, Devin Shimoyama, Robin Williams, Salma Tour, Colleen Smith, James Sienna, and many others. It's stacked with writings about art and really great artists, and there's sketches from the Sound Division sketchbook, some quotes about music, art school, and many other subjects. It's available at Altillier Editions on their website for $25 or anywhere else you get books. Please support the podcast by picking up Why I Make Art. Iliodora Margalos is an artist born in Minneapolis who lives and works in Athens, Greece. She graduated from Yale University in 2006 with a BA in art and later worked at the studio of Peter Haley. She expanded her artistic practice with studies in photography and printmaking at the Columbia School of Arts and Drawing at the Salzburg Academy of Fine Arts in Austria. Selected solo exhibitions include Bedroom Situation Up in the Air at Enter at Dio Horia Gallery in Copenhagen, One Sun for All at Dio Horia Gallery in Mykonos, Francesca Gabbiani and Iliadora Margalos at Baird Gallery in Los Angeles, and selected group exhibitions include Home Situation Afloat at Freeze LA with Baird Gallery in Los Angeles, Tyranny, A Modern Intimacy at the 61st Thessaloniki International Film Festival at the Project Gallery in Athens, Summer Group Exhibition at Baird Gallery, Notions of Female Leadership at Dio Horia Gallery and Art Virtual Online in Athens, Omega to Alpha at the Museum of Modern Greek Culture in Athens, 
Her work has been featured in the Financial Times How to Spend It issue in September 2020. In 2021, she won the Ria Maps finalist prize for the Spirit issue of Creative Cities Project Open Call in Athens. I know we talk a little bit about blankets in the beginning of the pod. For reference, securities or security blankets are her ongoing series of thread on iron mesh embroideries. She reimagines these symbols of childhood vulnerability and postpartum codependency as rigidly metallic yet malleable wire mesh screens decoratively penetrated by brightly hued islands of delicate thread. We talk about having kids, sleepless nights in school, changing notions of time, texture and thread, and much more. Here's our conversation. was born but I haven't spent any time or been there since I was adopted from there when I was eight months old so it's on the CV but it's not related to my life experiences you know? yeah right you're not really you don't identify as a Minneapolis <laughs> not at all Minnesotan. I don't right. know how it looks like but I have friends <laughs> who grew up there and live there oh uh, yeah so right. you were so you were adopted. I was adopted from Minneapolis. Yeah. And then you went to Switzerland. Switzerland, right? yeah. Uh, spent my childhood there. Yeah, um, I was adopted by Greek um, Greek parents, and it was a transracial adoption because my father, biological father, was Korean, and biological mother American. So I was basically an Asian kid. Growing up in Europe. Wow. That wow. is, that's, that's something to navigate. I mean, yeah, to imagine, I mean, that's already, you know, a, a mix of culture and identification, but then being, you know, growing up on the other side of the, the pond, I mean, that must yeah. have been, well, I mean, you don't know any different, right? Um, it's your experience. Yeah. Geneva was pretty international. So I was, uh, I true. was around children who were also you know either from mixed uh, mixed racial you know half and half or or uh, from other countries growing up there but then when I moved to Greece I was 11 um, it was uniracial completely I was the only Asian kid in school at school yeah. so that was that was my, my teenage uh, it was my six years of middle school and high school together Right. Um, well, so as far as culturally, like sort of what you're seeing and experiencing, how do you feel like that shaped you, you know, growing up in Geneva or, you know, between those places? Do you feel like it, it informed? I mean, obviously, we are somewhat part of our surroundings. I guess there's something interesting called the conceptually, the culturally um you know, growing up outside of your ethnic culture in a way. And then like, well, how much it seems almost as if a little more of a spotlight could be put on the, the nature versus nurture or the, the idea of like, you know, what do you identify with as culturally, ethnically DNA wise versus your surroundings and what you grow up around? Like right. if you go get, you know, topoki, do you feel like, ah, oh, this is my food? <laughs> Yeah, more and more, actually. I mean, I eat it 
as yeah. a white guy, and I, I fucking love Korean food. So um, yeah. I just wonder if, or if you're having Greek food, if it's like, you know, you've been around feta cheese so much, you just <laughs> get it, you know? <laughs> um, no, it's, it's interesting, because growing up, you know, I, it's not something that was encouraged uh, in my childhood to, to be in touch with, with my biological, let's say, uh, right. yeah. uh uh, so I didn't I didn't grow up with Korean food or or you know uh, but but Reese as I'm as I've I, I've been in touch with my biological parents I've actually um, come to realize that I I sometimes crave these foods and I I've I have them in my in my uh, they're part of my life now uh, more and more. That's great. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's 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 your DNA. You know what I mean? Yeah. Apparently, you can't get away from it. <laughs> you know, as much as um, I, my parents tried everything to really integrate me in the in the European uh, culture, hundred um, percent. It, it, I, I, I love it. I've embraced it. It's part of my upbringing and my you know childhood uh, memories, but. I've also added uh, the part that hasn't been experiential, let's say, yeah. from birth. Well, it, and, it, and it worked to an extent. I mean, you're not living in Seoul or Minneapolis. You know, you're, you're yeah. in Greece. So you obviously in That's true. You took to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's I've funny, s- so many people yeah. these days are moving to Greece, too, because of the beauty and the sun and the warmth and, you know. A I lot just, of expats. I haven't been. But oh, I've you heard haven't? a lot of great, uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of great things. Especially these past few years, you yeah. see a lot of expats moving. Yeah, it must Greece. be interesting. It's like, you know, I mean, I live in Williamsburg in Brooklyn and it's like, yeah. you know, I, I saw it happen over my 22, 23 years here, you know, just like the influx of a different kinds of people. So I'm sure it's changed a bunch. Yeah, yeah, a lot. But I'm sure that Williamsburg's changed a lot since I first I oh, was yeah. there when I was living in New York in 2006. It was very different from what it is now, I'm sure. Yeah, and when I was an undergrad in the early 90s, I visited Williamsburg, and I, I swear there was like, you know, there's tumbleweed rolling by the Williamsburg <laughs> Bridge. It was, it was like dead. There's like <laughs> nothing going on. You know? so now it's like crazy. Yeah. It's it's been gentrified also, no, quite a bit. Uh, yeah, to say the least. It you know, and it's funny because a lot of people oh, back in the day. I mean, when I was first there, it was like a little dangerous to walk under the bridge, you know. And my my wife, at then my my girlfriend, you know, I didn't feel safe her walking under the bridge by herself going to work, and people were like, oh, the good old days, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like well, but it's with a, kids, it's, it's better to, to to. It's better now, I guess, right? Raising kids there. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, but although it's getting a little gritty, there's been a little bit of a post-COVID, you know, roughness to it, but not, mm-hmm. it's it's still hyper-gentrified. But, um, yeah, so you growing up in that environment, I mean, how did another, like, were your parents at all creative or did they foster a creative environment? Because, you know, I often ask artists like, oh, well, your your parents creative, did you just get it from them sort of thing? Right. I mean, um, what was the environment like growing up? I would say not at all because, uh, I mean, the reason why I grew up in Geneva was because my father was in, his work was, uh, he was a, a, in commodities, a trader in commodities. 
So um, agribusiness, and my my mother was a is a philologist in literature, like a translator. She's she's always been buried in books. <laughs> so um, the the creative. I guess it came out uh, late in, during late late uh, high school, uh, thanks to an art teacher. I'm still in touch with her, Julie uh, American, Julie Scalcus. Uh, but until until then, and um, I also applied to to college uh, uh, pre med. Uh, yeah, I noticed but, we had that in common. We both started college in pre-med. Uh, you did. So, I, I, I mean, I applied um, last minute because the the visual arts uh, surfaced when I was 15. You know, the my teacher um, thought I should pursue it more seriously. I ended up adding art, uh, so I applied for double major pre-med and, and art. That's how I was accepted at college in the States. Nice. Yeah, it's not... Well, so you were, well, you had that idea early. I mean, that is a tall task. I mean, I bounced out of like pre-med because I was in a, you know, class my first semester. I went to University of Pittsburgh in the beginning and it was just like all these like high school geniuses, you know, who were just like crazy. And I was, and you know, I skateboarded all summer. They were like studying stuff. Yeah. And I was just like, I, this isn't, I'm like, you know. I had imposter syndrome. I was just not for me, you know. And I just went to med school because I was good at biology in high school. It was not like it was a passion. And I was like, if you're going to be a surgeon, you probably should be pretty You need other things, yeah. <laughs> but same, biology was the forte, but then there was physics, math, and chemistry that were a bit more. Uh, oh, yeah, those get in the way. <laughs> the college level, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so well, you pursued it, uh, medical school. You continued medical school after no, pre-med I, or I was, you just stopped at pre-med oh i stopped at the gate at like the when gate. they were letting me in <laughs> first semester i was like i'm out this is not oh, me. same i did the same yeah i knew pretty quickly thank god that you don't want to invest it's funny because i i always say like now i would love to go back to medical school because i'd be fascinated by it but at that yeah. point in my life it was not in the cards so i just transferred to penn state and i just studied like liberal arts and then i got bit by the art bug you know yeah but i'd always been in the drawing and painting and it sounds like you've you know i love that you said it surfaced like you released <laughs> the kraken of art <laughs> it just came out you know like you couldn't it hold came it out yeah <laughs> at uh, yale of all places yeah and well, you were an undergrad there right i was an undergrad um and um it was a challenging program from the first trimester you know when i realized uh the hours we would spend at the art school. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, it, it, it wouldn't have been possible to do pre-med and, and, and art properly together because pre-med also was pretty challenging. It was only 40 applicants uh, in, the, in the group out of 5,000. So, I mean, Jeez. it was a, I wouldn't be sleeping. I, I wouldn't sleep a lot. Even already with the art undergrad, you know, the sleep hours were reduced <laughs> yeah. during the four years. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, yeah. I didn't sleep at college. I yeah. Think. It's nice to be young. You don't really need it as much. You can handle, you can handle sleepless nights. Yeah. Go straight exactly. to lecture. So who were your, who were your go-tos there? Because you were there, it was 2006, right? 
It was 2002 and graduated oh, in 2006. So during these four years, <clears throat> um, I started with Robert Reed. Uh, he had an incredible life story. Um, I hear that they they dedicated something in the art building, a room. The room where he used to teach basic drawing has his name now. Um, they, they did it. Oh, Robert. Yeah. Robert Reed. Yeah. 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 He was amazing. Yeah. Um, You've met him? Yeah. I studied. I mean, Well, I was at Yale before you were. So I graduated in 99, which isn't oh. that far off. No. And Robert was amazing. And I yeah. actually moderated a panel discussion on his work at Hunter MFA. And mm-hmm. we talked about his life and work. So, yeah, I, I, I knew Robert, you know, and, and loved his work. And, yeah, I know how he really <clears> – <throat> I think – for grad students, we had a different relationship. I think he, from what I understand of the way he taught his courses, I only had him as like a critique, not in like a classroom. Mm-hmm. So I know he was really instrumental in sort of like the foundations of like, you know, drawing exercises and all that, all that amazing sort of approach that he took to teaching. So, um, yeah, he, he, he impacted everyone who was there for sure. He was a tough. Uh, he was tough during critics, but also yeah. uh, he 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 was trying to, I think, teach the discipline more than the skills. Uh, yes, and that's more the important. endurance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> think of like now with YouTube, it's like anyone can figure out how to do it. It's like, can you figure yeah. out how to like motivate yourself and how to think about making work? And you know, part of it is is like you know, fueling your fire and getting that seriousness, and you know. I think that's, that's, you know, it's showing up the idea of like, you know, yeah. part of success is like showing up and putting the work in. And, and, uh, another lesson, life lesson is how to figure out to do the most out of nothing. You know, it was another, um, thing he was trying to instill in his students to, can you, can you make a drawing, uh, with just coffee in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, was, you know, just yeah. using coffee. Yeah, um, how many how many sculptures can you make out of a piece of cardboard? Cardboard, you know? rubber bands, and make it stand and fold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was well, that was difficult. Um, yeah, the the funny part about that idea that he's more of like the motivator as opposed to like you know, not necessarily teach. He was the one who actually the only teacher who actually taught me how to do something with painting where he, you know, he came into my studio and he was like, your lines are kind of crappy. You know, they're all like <laughs> fuzzy. Do you want a crisp yeah. line? Cause you know, he painted with tape too. And, yeah. and I was like, yeah, totally. No, and no one's ever taught me that. And he's like, Oh, you yeah. just use matte medium before you, and you let it dry. And then you paint the paint and you'll get a nice crisp line. Changed my life. My paintings, like it was a total upgrade oh, of great. like non crappiness. <laughs> <That's Robert. laughs> That's great. Yeah, I mean, also after drawing, I, I took painting with him as well, and um, that's how I started moving away from painting, and and, and I ended up majoring in sculpture uh, because during his painting class, you know, we had this giant installation in the middle of the room, and we had to generate paintings uh, by, by looking at it, and I started making miniature. Um, I had difficulty making a composition 
from this big gun. So I, so I started making little sculptures, mini sculptures of moments that I had next to next to my canvas. Um, so I ended up, I started making little sculptures basically to paint. Uh, um, and I think the the sculptures, uh, the maquettes became more interesting than the paintings. Uh, <laughs> that um, happens sometimes, right? Like the yeah. vehicle becomes like, you're like, oh, wait, this is the thing. Yeah, so so that's how I ended up uh, concentrating in sculpture during the third year, junior year. Yeah. Um, and I also had was considering architecture um, while I was taking painting, because, again, it was a bit more 3D, three-dimensional than painting. Um, yeah, and then, uh, and then I moved to the sculpture building, which doesn't exist anymore, apparently. Hammond Hall? Yeah, Hammond Hall. They, they t- tore it down after we graduated oh, really? in 06, and it became a residential college. So where, this, where are the sculptors? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they moved they're, they're to Chapel Bones. Street. If <laughs> they're they underground moved, somewhere. If they're in the art school building or if they built another building. Because we graduated before they started doing these works. Yeah. It was the year right before. And that's why we had total freedom at Hammond Hall because they had told us that they would t- tear it down. So... Um, oh, so it's just party like it's going yeah, out. Yeah, one of the <laughs> students like the brought a bulldozer and like made a hole like uh, through the wall of the building. Like you could do anything you wanted because they were. That's funny. Was the last Someone was like year. looking at Urs Fitcher and it's like, oh, I'll do, I'll do <laughs> yeah. a version of that. I'll just tear <laughs> up this place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so it was, it was nice. You had a, you had total freedom in this building to do anything you wanted. Um, yeah, I didn't know undergrads used Hammond Hall. I thought that was just grad studios. No, it was both. Um, I had a studio with a key there, um, but because we weren't that many, we were eight eight students majoring in sculpture. Yeah. There were more painters and graphic designers and photographers, but uh, we were just eight students. Uh, so we were together with the grads, and I made also some friends who were graduate students who were still friends. I met at Hammond Hall. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it's, it's it feels like that would be more integrated. Because like I I think I met maybe two undergrads in painting when I was there as a grad student. It was like a separation. Oh. Like you just didn't know, you know, their studios weren't in the building, so you just didn't, unless you were TAing a class or something. Yeah. It was a little more separate. But Hammond Hall was huge, man. That place was just like Yeah, monstrous. it was huge. It was pretty amazing to have like a studio that size, I think. Yeah, and it was also a little out. It was off campus almost, so yeah, I, had a, I got a bike to, to be able to do the back and forth so more quickly. Yeah. Um, I think I've slept in the studio as well. Um, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I used to do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it, like it, yeah. Um, but we, we did also during photography um, for the final crits for the photo, photo class. That's like it got a little. Um, crowded because we put in we put a mattress in the dark room to take naps take turns so we wouldn't waste time uh, during for the especially for the developer you know the color developer that took time 
<laughs> so yeah, so you did you, you did pretty much everything. I mean, and, and looking at your work, you know, you've done you know painting, performance, like sculpture, uh, embroider, embroidery, right? Yeah, this is the uh, I guess the the final thing I I started exper- uh, experimenting with uh, when I, during my first pregnancy. So it's um, it's a self taught in a way medium that I didn't experiment as much with during my college years and uh, up until 2014 when I started using it in my work. Um, but it's always been in my life because my grandmothers used to embroider during the summer months when I was spending time with them in Greece. So I had exposure to that uh, uh, growing up. Right. Um, and I guess motherhood and preparation, the, you know, the pregnancy before becoming a mother um, um, directed me towards embroidery, and that's where I'm at right and so now. Did you feel, right? Did you feel? I mean, in thinking about the way that you're using it, and which I mean, I don't. It it seems a little more formally investigative and a little more unconventional as far as you know what standard embroidery would be. It. Do you feel a certain freedom in the fact that you didn't necessarily go to study that as like an art form and that you could just improvise in it? Yeah, um, it, it's also it, it, it's it's I put more emphasis on the on the process of making it rather than the technical skills, you know, that I could have uh, learned at a embroidery school. I don't think it's necessary. Right. Um, uh, it doesn't have to inform my work uh obviously i you know i've i've developed certain skills that allow me to to elaborate um using this medium uh but um i i work with i work on the surface that is a little unconventional for embroidery right um and then the the use of the it's it's not maybe I embroider blankets or weave blankets, but they're not really blankets. Right. <laughs> um, so I guess it's embroidery with a twist. Um, I'm sure that feels good, though, because you can follow your path with it, basically. I mean, I to be honest, I kind of do the same thing with painting. I, even though I went and studied it for seven years, I feel like I, don't, I just kind of learned it the way I do it. And I just, you know, I <laughs> don't necessarily... Uh, hold myself to any of those formal or like technical. I mean, I'm, there's, I've created my own in a way, yeah. you know, it's like if you work in something long enough, it just kind of becomes your own to, in a way. And then there's a freedom right. in that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, that's, you're basically really involved with that now. I mean, are you still doing a lot of the other ways of making? Um, I, I used to what I kept uh, until until uh, a couple of years ago was drawing, like pure drawing, you know, uh, graphite and yeah. highly detailed. Um, but I've that's been put on hold for now, and I'm mainly focusing on um, and um, you know using threads and yarn and and beads. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like. Uh, yeah, I've I've stopped I've stopped drawing and painting. Uh, You're going all in on 
on the, yeah. you're sort of like really getting lost in it. It's cool. The, the materials that you're using, are they just local? Are you order? Is there, what is the connection to the different? Cause I know there's a wide variety of stuff that you can use basically. Like yeah. if you think of paints, there's so many different, there's oil, there's acrylic, there's gouache, there's, you know, and I'm the same with fabric. So I'm wondering like where you landed in your use of materials. Yeah. I, I mean, I choose the, I choose the threads and the yarn and I, I choose them based on the, the color I want to, I want to uh, use and, and uh, the, the texture. So summer linen threads i have cotton threads i mix them up uh, so it texturizes the work and um i put more and more emphasis on the on the choice of of, of dyes so uh, i actually um uh go to france france has a long tradition in embroidery and you know so they they have their own um industry and uh, some some date from you know a couple centuries ago, and uh, and uh, and also the beads they have. I don't really find much in Greece to be honest, uh, because yeah. most are imported and and um, they're chemical dyes. So uh, I try to retain this quality, uh, the hand dyeing. Yeah, and it is when I was reading about you know. I think it was in your statement. It was really sort of eloquent the way it was written about this. Oh, I'm not. Gonna, I'm going to butcher the interpretation of it, but you know the 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 impetus to navigate between landscape and abstraction and formal investigation and the medium and and things like that. It's it. It sounded like it's a pretty open um, play and investigation into image making through those materials. Is that something that is really fueling it? You know what I mean? As far as like, I mean, obviously there's a relationship that you were talking about, maybe unconsciously or, or of the conceptual link to, you know, family and it being around and there's a familiarity in that working process in relation to your grandmother. And, but, um, is it also just the sort of freedom of like, you know, playing between, you know, representation and abstraction in this medium that's, you know, not just standard painting or drawing or whatever. Yeah, it, it, it is. Um, it's sort of a, like a mental landscape, let's say, that I build as I go. Um, uh, and the physicality of the work, which, you know, has a sculptural quality because it's it uh, resembles something that it's not, but I guess it's a blend of, of what you're what you just described, um, both in figurative um, and abstract abstract uh, uh, way of of uh, of um, produ- um, depicting um, what goes on uh, as I'm as I'm working. This. Yeah. Um, well, here's a question. <laughs> it's funny because you have a uh, <laughs> you have a very um, serious sort of like you know feel to when you're speaking about your work or your life. But then there's been moments where you kind of like 
explode into like humor. Like, what is humor to you? Because it feels like you're you're suppressing a little bit of that humor at times. But like, I'm getting a sense that there's like a very goofy, funny side to you here that <laughs> might be buttoned yeah. up under the conversation. Yeah, um, yeah, the the goofy. Yeah, it's becoming all the the sense of humor has been. Um, it's becoming more and more pronounced in my life, just, you know, as a coping mechanism. Oh, as well. Yeah. well, you have to, if you have kids uh, or else. Yeah. You, you just, you just you have to do? laugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's, it's definitely more present than it used to be. Right. Um, did, did you have the shift to speaking to that point of like, I feel like once you have kids, like before you have kids, everything seems so serious, like your work and your career and like what you're working towards. And there's like, it's kind of this own thing that's just heavy. And and then when you have a kid, you're immediately like, it's jettisoned. Like you're like, oh, that's not the most important thing anymore. So you can have a more light or you could take the edge off of that seriousness in a way. It's almost like you have to because, you know then it's like oh well this this human over here i've got to make sure they survive and that feels pretty serious but then that's such a goofy thing like babies are so goofy so it's just a weird combination between like yeah. you know, i gotta keep them alive <laughs> and oh my god they're crazy <laughs> you know it, it does yeah. something weird to the mind i think but it's a beautiful thing it, it kind of recalibrates in a way. yeah totally uh, yeah the priorities change and uh things that used to be serious or you used to take seriously are not serious anymore because everything's been redefined. Uh, and, and also the, the notion of time changes a lot. Um, Oh yeah. The, you know, like the the minute has a different value than it used to, or the, (laughs) the day. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, but I, I would, I, I can't imagine myself without children and working without children right now. And I would never, you know, choose, uh, the life I had before over this one now. It's very rewarding and, and all its weirdness and goofiness. An <laughs> um, exhaustiveness, right? And exa- yeah. Like you're it's exhausted, made, but at the same time, you know, you have opposites to deal with right. every day. Yeah, totally. It's like running a marathon or something. It'd be like yeah. from the outside or in retrospect, you're like, why do I do that? It's <laughs> exhausting. But then you feel so invigorated and it like opens your eyes to a different level of life that you're like, yeah. oh, I can never go back and not do that. Yeah. But, but you know, from the outside, anyone who doesn't have kids are like, well, like what the hell? Like that. <laughs> what do you do with your day all day? You know, <laughs> just right. without exactly. having someone to, to take care of them. Uh, basically drive your life yeah right and as artists you know it's you know it's funny i had i won't name who it is but i had a professor at yale when i was there and i was at the coffee shop across the street and Mm -hmm. uh, i was right before like one of those you know nighttime seminar classes and she was getting ready to teach and she was pouring her her the milk in her coffee and the the cap popped off and the coffee went everywhere (laughs) she turned and looked at me she said, are you thinking of teaching? And I was like, no, at that point I wasn't sure. Said, don't. <laughs> I was like, that was like this metaphor for like, oh, what you don't know. You know what I mean? About how hard some of these things are. Like having a kid is like that too. It, it totally so she changes had kids. pace. Uh, she had uh, kids at the time. Oh no, I think in that sense of just the responsibility. The, like there's yeah. this adage, one of the, one of my undergrad teachers said um, that to, <laughs> if you're an artist, 
don't have kids, don't buy a house. <laughs> one more. Some, some other. And, it, you know, it's which is totally false, but I think it's that romanticism of, like, you know, as an artist to not have anything else to worry or think about. You know what I mean? You can yeah. just dive into your world. But then it's like, when does that become too self-serving and, like, infinity loop of your own ideas and sort of ego and you yeah know, it's just like me 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 all the time and are you a good human if you're like you know 60 years old and you've only ever thought of yourself your whole life <laughs> yeah and yeah no it's 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 something i, I think about and uh, honestly like when i when i look at some artists work like it's always a criterion I, I i look at it differently when i hear that for instance they have five children or like right. two and one they, you know, some artists are against having children because they think that without, with children, the, their art would, would die. You know, I've heard this before. Like, That's rough. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was very, I remember listening to this artist in her studio saying that she wouldn't be able to, 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 to do, uh, to follow this profession if she had children. And I can't say that I agree with it. Because okay, maybe as a mother, you you do have to sacrifice uh, some production time when the children are young. But at the end of the day, because time becomes more um, precious, and because you have less of it raising children, uh, you try to maximize the time you have in the studio and prioritize. And maybe you don't, you know, take the wrong road. You you, you don't waste time. Um, an experiment with things that will lead you nowhere. I don't know. It's. I feel like the drive it gives you is is actually a good thing for. Yeah, it for, depends on the. Per- I mean, for that person, it probably would have destroyed their spirit. Like certain people probably couldn't do or it. Or maybe not. Maybe they like, just she didn't doesn't have it. know. She she wouldn't be able to know. Exactly. Yeah. There's so many things that I've seen and done as a parent that I wouldn't have if I didn't have kids That's that true. have completely shaped my experience you know which changes your work and changes your you know the way you see the world not Mm -hmm. necessarily for good or for bad i mean i think it's good but you know for some people it might be bad they might lose the energy and never be able to some people have to be totally selfish and you know they you know they can't share a studio or they can't it has to be a certain way or their day has to be a certain you know it's different different situations for different people i guess yeah yeah there's no right or wrong. It's whatever no, works. It's, it's right or wrong for, for every individual. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like how you can keep doing your thing and living your life. And and, and what you're so, capable of. If you know what you're capable of, then you can definitely. make your choices. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the one thing I didn't ask you about was uh, music. Was that, what, what was music like in your life as a kid? Like, was there music in the house? Were you interested a in music? Lot. Yeah, a lot. Um, A lot of classical music. My father was very, he had a huge collection. So when he was spending time, leisure time at home, there would always be an opera or, you know, uh, a lot of all the composers. (laughs) Huge collection, everything. You know, I grew up with all these CDs and listening to the. Um, he would even play, you know, up until high school, like during when I was working on my final exams, I remember he would tell me, you should, you should put Bach, I'll put some Bach for you so that, cause it structures the mind. It's good for math. So he, he even had the composers, you know, uh, nice. that would work for, 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 
to, to help berry. my brain. With, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. It was like with your meal, with your studying meal. With the like, studying, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, you want to do something creative? Put Mozart, like. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. So that's the, a pro move. So I had that growing up. Also, I, I played the piano since I was five. Um, and, Happily uh, or forcefully? Uh, I would say both because it was more the practicing that was a little forceful, I guess. Yeah. But um, I've recently reintroduced it in my life because my daughter started playing and she enjoys it. They teach it in a very different way than they used to in the 90s. Um, yeah. And and I use it to um, to help the fingers because with embroidery, you know, if I stop for a week, I start having like pain in my hand. Yeah. So I was recently told by my daughter's piano teacher that if you exercise your fingers by playing, you know, leisurely, not not. I just remember a few sonatas to play in Nocturne de Chopin, and I just play them. To, as, as like an exercise, like a workout yeah. of the hands. So I still play occasionally. That's good. And nice to keep in tune with playing music. She's lying. That's just to keep you playing piano because she wants more piano players in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I play guitar and, you know, I still... Oh, nice. Like, it, it, it's, you know... I, I, I hope it's good for working out the hands. It's very I just good. Feel like I've, no, the I've done so much with my hands in my life because I spent years and years making these collages where oh. I cut. And when I'm, you know, there's like two type of people who, um, when you're writing with a pencil, you either hold it with like two fingers and you yeah. do it sort of softly. I'm the one who like grabs it. Oh, you do? Wow. Like I strangle the pencil when I'm drawing and I push really hard. So everything I do, like all those collages, basically like 10 years of making these small collages with X-Acto knives and cutting these little shapes. Yeah. I, I'm sure I have like advanced stage like arthritis. Arthritis. And the guitar helps you loosen up the... the, the I mean, I, don't, I hope. I don't know. It still hurts. Like it, it all sort of is like, you know, it's. It, I'm feeling it definitely for sure. Have you tried holding the pencil differently or the X-Acto knife? Yeah, I've and tried. you can't. Yeah, I don't know. It, they even gave me when I was little the weird rubber triangle thing that you put on yeah, the pencil to like correct it, thing. and I was like, yeah. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but I grind my teeth. I'm like, I'm very relaxed person in a way, like, yeah. Sort of like philosophically, but I feel like sometimes I'm like, I hold things like a, unconsciously. Um, you, you, sort of like you, you have clench a, my jaw. You need to like, hold on to things. So. Yeah, I guess so. I we could. Die. I'm sure I could dive into the. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> worth some diving sort of into. Why do I need I, to hold it so strong? Yeah, why do I grip on the pencil like someone's going to take it away from me? To the Maybe point of it. developing arthritis. <laughs> right. It's brutal. Um, but yeah, so that's great that you have piano and you have some music in it. And what. Do you, is there other kinds of music you listen to? Yeah, now, definitely. No, no. Classical was what I was exposed Grew up to. On. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we also had some, you know, uh, intense dancing sessions going on in the living room. That was from my mother's, you know, all the classics, like uh, Elvis. So. Oh, <laughs> and nice. then we so had a lot of too. musicals, you know, from Sound of Music to like Grease. We had Michael Jackson going on all these. Yeah, definitely lots of music. Um, 
because dance was also a big part of my life. So I had the classical music going on during ballet because I did ballet for many, many years. And I still listen to some, 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 you know, the so pieces, I guess, compositions that remind me of the ballet uh, performances. Um, and then the more contemporary dance music. Um, mm -hmm. But at this point, I guess, when I work, um, I like instrumental music. Um, and at other times when I need to stay awake and keep the rhythm, I go like... Down a summer, <laughs> like yeah, uh, that works. you know, it goes some disco, some, some yeah, some. Um, There's a lot of nouveau disco that's really good, by the way. There's like yeah. really good Spotify playlists of like I don't know, they call it like future funk or something, but it's this mixture of because I listen to a lot of. Um, I, I mean, I listen to everything, but there's a there's sort of like the vaporwave craze brought in this sort of like. 80s Japanese disco stuff that was being sampled and then that kind of took off into this new electronic disco stuff that's really kind of cool. It's a weird oh, combination of like influence. Yeah, I can send you some links to it. It's good stuff though. There's a lot of uh, good stuff coming out that's like weird. It's, you know, it's, it's like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's kind of like sampling genres in a way. It's pretty cool. Oh, check it out. It's good for late night. Yeah, um, but I have a recurrent, like my, I was really into rap, French rap when I was in Geneva. It started early. Um, nice. Like MC Solar. MC Solar, yeah. The, his first so CD. Good, right? by, I know, still know it by heart. Uh, there were lots of French, like I am, you know, um, uh, L'école du micro d'argent. So I still have, like, occasionally they're on my playlist and I know them by heart. And, nice. You know, yeah, French rap is so good. Uh, I grew up, I studied French yeah. for like seven years, and I think that must have, you know, pointed me in the direction of like Solar. Or, and I liked yeah. Guru and that Jazz Mataz thing he was featured on there, but that kind of like cracked me into that. And then I was listening to like Serge Gainsbourg and stuff like that. So lots yeah. of like cool French new wave stuff. And um, the lyrics is really good. The lyrics yeah. are sometimes interesting to read besides listening. Um, yeah, I never did that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't that good. Some friends from Yale, after they graduated, developed this app called Rap Genius. And I don't know if I've you, heard of it. You've heard of yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I've heard of it. I don't, I don't have the app, but what's, yeah. what's it do? Well, uh, what they started it right after graduation. I think it was 07. And what they would do is like take a song and deconstruct the lyrics and kind of explain what what each word means and what it's inspired by and it was That's kind so of like cool. a dictionary of rap lyrics um was it like white dudes at yale who did it <laughs> um it was a one of them was iranian and and two were classmates um it's so it's such a cool idea, but it's so like funny that it comes out of Yale. You know what I mean? It came it's like out of the Yale. Opposite of like street shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I guess because I was hanging out with some of them like, during the college years, there was also a lot of rap going on uh, in New Haven. I was yeah. listening to, but um, I think it's on Spotify now. I saw it. The rap dream. It is. I think they. 
Yeah, I think that's where I saw it. It's like incorporated into the lyrics or something. Yeah, um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So you so you're pretty diverse in your music. Yeah, I would say yeah, and opposites mm-hmm. again. Like, <laughs> I'll go from uh, Kachaturian to like. <laughs> I don't know, a little bit of Bob Dylan sometimes because it reminds me of Minneapolis, even though I've never been there since I was born, but just knowing that he's from there sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I oh, listen to a little bit of everything. It, it's pretty cool. You're um, like this. It, it feels like your experience is like collaged in a really interesting way. You know, you have this very specific geographic and like experiential development it's just it's pretty cool Um, to you it's like it's just what you you know it was just your experience but i mean i grew up in pittsburgh and like working class you know like kind of like minneapolis i just went to college nearby and then i just went to new york it was pretty boring i've never (laughs) been to pittsburgh um it's great i'm going today i'm going in about four hours okay you have family there i do yes I, my my mom still lives there, so I'm going to visit her. But yeah, it's a great town. I mean, it's provincial. You know, provincial American towns are like they have their own vibe, and you know. But the but Pittsburgh has the Warhol Museum and the Carnegie Museum, and it's yeah. it's pretty. You know, there's some art and creativity there. Yeah, definitely. Know. But uh, it's you can do it in a weekend. Yeah, <laughs> you don't live there. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Do you go? Uh, do you fly there, or do you drive? Or- uh, today I'm flying. Usually I drive. I teach at Penn State anyway, so during the school year, like I drive out Tuesdays and come back Thursdays. So, mm-hmm. um, but that's Penn State is like in the middle of the state. Pittsburgh's like further west. So, okay. um, but yeah, I, I love driving. So that's actually how I started podcasting because I started listening to them when I was driving to teach. And yeah. you know, I liked longer ones because longer drive. And there weren't that many with artists that are like long form. You know, any artist interviews are always the same 10 questions. You know, boring, boring shit. That's a great time to listen to podcasts. And actually, I, I, I heard some of your podcasts um, uh, while we were driving uh, with the kids. Uh, you know, I had the headphones and I was listening to no, I was going to say, you didn't subject them to that, did you? <laughs> no, because, I mean, they do fall asleep eventually in the car when it's a long drive. So I had the right. opportunity to listen to to some some of your of your podcasts that's cool um is there any is there any people you knew have been on the podcast uh yes actually um kurt cowper because oh yeah i took a seminar in the grad painting building with them when i was i think it was 2004 nice junior year um then amir fala um Mm -hmm shows work at the gallery I work with in Greece. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, he's great. So, Talking about, he's done a lot of cool stuff, you know. Yeah. yeah um, and Gregory Crutzen also, I think he was oh, also yeah. at Yale. Photo. So. Yeah, he was there. Or at least when I was there, he was there. It was a pretty jumping program. It was pretty cool. And some other podcasts. And I really like that um, each is very different they're, they're, they're very different from each other you know like every podcast yeah. has its own uh, uh, it's a, it has they have a different feel based on what the, you know the, the artist is is um 
talking about. Yeah, everyone's so different. You know, and once in a while someone will say like, oh, when are you going to, I don't know if it's a sign or something, but they're like, oh, when are you going to stop? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, as soon as people get boring, like it's, it's always entertaining because everyone's so different. You know, no one's the same. And everyone is That's just the beauty of it. <laughs> yeah. It really is. It's 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 entertaining. I mean, everyone's got a different story. I mean, look at your your story is like so, you know, unique. You know, but it's great that Speaking you're of, you're. It's it's great. It's thanks to you that you know each person is able to retain. You know, that is not directed towards like these ten questions, like you say. But right, yeah. Um, yeah. So you give this freedom, I guess, to them. I hope so. I mean, that would be boring to ask the same 10 questions. You know what I mean? It would just get like old. It's, it's almost like you want to go where this person's life takes you, which is kind of like a journey, you know, which is cool. Do you travel a lot now? I mean, you've had like, you know, you've traveled around as a youth. Is it something that's in your bones and you love to travel? You feel like at this point, all right, I'm ready to just dig in here. Yeah. I mean, I grew up on a plane because my father used to, to, to fly a lot and, he loved traveling so I've traveled a lot uh, but since I become a mother I would say I don't I spend a lot of time at home <laughs> it's the yeah. opposite um, I'm just starting uh, now to to, to to travel again a bit more but um, the kids are still young that's something I, I used to have as it was part of my life and it's probably going to come back when I have the possibility to do that because um, yeah, like I, I love the coming back theater. from a trip yeah <laughs> i took a long time off from it yeah having a kid and now you're back like, no thanks yeah, yeah. <laughs> now i can go back to movies <laughs> or long dinners long dinners long were dinners in the cards yeah. for a long time true you know yeah yeah they got shorter it was they like going short. to <laughs> yeah i mean you're at that stage now of like you know when you go out to eat it's like there's like a time bomb. The clock you know, is ticking. a certain amount of time, it's going, it's going to explode. So you got to get in there, you eat, get out. No one gets out. Yeah, you think about how you're going to wake up in the morning. Right. <laughs> the bus, yeah, totally. the school bus. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. So one one last question. It, do you Have you ever shown in Korea? Would you like I've to? I've never been. Um, I would actually like to go. Uh but uh, I've never been, so right. uh, my Korean father, uh, you know, is apparently based in L.A. at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really tried to reach out, even though I go regularly to L.A. now more and more for work. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know if it was a place you'd want to go. I, I definitely want to go. Mother, I've, I've, do I've you know much about for a while. Yeah. Do you know much about your mother's sort of roots? Oh yeah, yeah. From? We talk. We talk uh, regularly. Yeah. Like a weekly basis, almost since we reconnected when I came back from the states after, you know, living in New York um, after graduation. Yeah. We've been in touch since 2010. That's great. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you know, I, I'm just. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious as to, as far as that's concerned, I mean, it's like one thing with my son is that we go back to, well, pre-COVID, go back to Japan and like, you know, it's, I think it's oh, cool it's for great him to be able that. to, to, to sort of, you know, it's not like we're 
we're just you know he's reconnecting with a certain side of his culture and yeah you know, it's grounded yeah yeah i think there's it, it's there's something cool about that and i you know i don't know if that would be complex with you of like going to korea i don't know where you would go for your mother's side if it's more uh, my like... my mother lives in wisconsin at the moment <laughs> jeez jeez just popped in my head <laughs> she lives in Wisconsin, uh, you know, Lutheran Protestant, like, but, but she's traveled a lot. So, you know, talking to her, she's traveled me like mentally. She's lived in Korea, yeah. lived in Japan, lived in, oh, nice. in Asia for her research. Um, mm-hmm. she's a professor and se- specialized in second language acquisition. So, um, yeah, I guess, I've been exposed thanks to her to a few things, you know, about the culture there, but I definitely want to travel. It's something that's been on the cards for a while. I just haven't had the opportunity to do it. Um, and, um, well, Seoul is, is a booming city. It's like lots of things happening right now. Yeah. So, um, it'll happen in the near future for sure. And in a big art scene, I mean, it's blowing up there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. The recent years. Yeah. yeah. So I'm definitely considering well, it. Yeah. What are you working on now? Are you, do you have anything coming up? Are you working towards? Or are you just uh, doing anything? Yeah. Your yeah. I have. Um, I have a show at Bard Gallery coming up in LA, um, 17th of September. So I'm working nice. on that. Um, it's a new series of works, and. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying the production of it. At the What's moment. the scale? May I ask the scale of what you're working on? Uh, it's, it's about like 10, 12 pieces at the moment. There's mm-hmm. an installation and then um, some pieces of different sizes that um, I call them blankets, but they're not really blankets. It's just the format <laughs> of like a security yeah. blanket. Uh, it's something I've been working on the past few years um, from some memories I've I have uh, of this my experience my adoption experience it's few, it started fueling it like, a few years ago and now it's I guess developing into something else but um, I spend a lot of time weaving and meditating in my studio <laughs> as I yeah. work. It's uh, great. Um, and it kind of feels like um, building these new layers of skin, you know, there's this like mm-hmm. continuity of like shedding skin and then building a new one. Um, and um, that's how I, I feel. Um, as I'm working on these pieces. Um, and there's definitely a, like a healing quality to making the, these works. Um, uh, yeah. It sounds good. I can't wait to see the work for the show. I wish I could I, try to get out to LA soon. I haven't been in a while. Oh, really? I want to get out there. Yeah. It's been a long time, so need to do it um and then what the the best way for other people to see your work like your website and instagram you do instagram i do instagram um i do have a website 
it's more like a business card. I'm not very actively feeding it, but it's there. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a presence on the internet. Uh, and then, you know, I have the Facebook with the Instagram, and that's pretty much what I have, you know, besides the, the gallery websites that have my work. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, I look forward to seeing that the new show, and uh, it was great to meet and talk. Yeah, thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks so much for doing it. I really enjoyed talking to you. Likewise. Yeah.